Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, so has there ever been a time in your life when you uttered the words, I will never, either out loud or to yourself? Okay, first of all, I don't think I've ever said them that way before. (laughs) (laughs) And if I have, I'm scaring myself. But yes, I have said those words. And in fact, when I have, many times they've come back to haunt me. Yeah, that... That's so funny how many times your own words will come back to literally bite you and you go, I, I don't I can't even like comprehend that he even thought that out loud. Cause then when it does happen, you're going, huh, that's interesting that I would have actually said that. Did you, did you think that out loud or did you say it out loud? <laughs> that's the other question to this, right? Exactly. Okay, before we get too far into our I Will Never show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, Beth Boyd is a nonfiction author who said she'd never write fiction. She's also the wife of an Air Force physician who said she'd never marry anyone in the military and a mom of four who said she'd never have kids. So Beth believes God's best often waits behind the doors marked, quote unquote, never. She's also a 2014 Carol Award finalist. Beth enjoys writing contemporary romance fiction because she believes there's more to happily ever after than the fairy tales tell us, which, as you know, Lisa, that's totally my lingo. I'm all about the happily ever after. Well, in (laughs) in her 2014 novel, Somebody Like You, that was one of the Publishers Weekly's best books of 2014, and in 2015, Beth introduces a four-part destination wedding series with the ebook Can't Buy Me Love and her new novel Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Uh, she's also a magazine writer and former editor of the Mops International magazine, where we absolutely love Mops. They're an incredible organization, and she was also uh, a writer for Connections. She's a part of a leadership team for the writing community my book therapy and she lives in colorado which of course probably a little bit cooler weather than our 101 temperature um, right now Uh, she lives with her husband rob and their youngest daughter so welcome beth to the show good morning how are you all doing we are doing great, but we have to. We've been talking all morning about this. I will never. So our question on you just said all the things you would never do, um, marrying and writing fiction, all those fun things. Um, what would be one more thing that you said you would never do that you're doing right now? Oh, my goodness. Um, you you named all of my top ones there. I'm very <laughs> careful what I say I would never do now. 
Um, and, and I also have to say, I loved the way you said that line. I would never. You said that with such passion. Um, I actually had to muffle my laughter. Um, hey, Beth, don't encourage her, please. Okay? <laughs> no, I loved that. That was said with, with such passion. Uh, nowadays, when I say I would never, people often stop me and say, be careful, Beth, because you know the minute you say that, that's exactly the door God's going to point you to and say, now walk through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm very, very careful about that. And, and I often embrace the nevers now. Um, I shared with a, a friend that my plan in 2016 is I'm going to go skydiving. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that? That's awesome that you want to go skydiving. Well, I, I always think of, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the commercial where, um, I actually have not seen the commercial, so I'm laughing as that came out of my mouth because I've just heard about it from certain people where it's like this guy that says, you know. I was going to bring that up. It's the best commercial. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it, but I, people were <laughs> talking about it. It's like. He's saying, I'll never get married, and then it shows his wedding, then, you know, I'll never have kids, and then it's, like, him holding a baby, and it's, like, I'll never drive a van, and then he's driving a van. And it, it is funny how life just has that sense of humor with all the things that you're you're not going to do. But on the other hand, I know my daughter has shared that that kind of frightens her a little bit about, you know, like, going to Africa, how she feels like, I would never go to Africa and she doesn't like to say that out loud because she feels like then God's going to send her to Africa. And, you know, it, you, you also want to say, but God doesn't necessarily work that way. He does give you the desires of your heart. And if that is truly um, something that you're, you're dreading doing, it's not something that, oh, I have to sacrifice for Jesus in such a way that I'm going to, I'm going to wake up every day hating this moment. It's, he changes you and softens you and you all of a sudden what you never would do, it's it's a different perspective and it's a different adventure and it's exciting because you're you're doing it for the Lord. Don't wouldn't you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. I I married I always said I would never marry anyone in the military because I was somebody who wanted to put down roots and I said I would never marry a family physician because I wanted that regular routine of my husband would come home at a certain hour but then I fell in love mm. with the man who became my husband and when he said, asked me to marry him, I said yes because I wanted to marry him and then I said to God, well you're going to have to help me be the wife that he needs me to be, because it wasn't what I originally imagined married life would be like. But I never regretted saying yes to him. And I initially said I didn't want to have children because I I had a rough life growing up. And so being a mom, to me, I thought I wasn't going to be a good mom because of some of the things I experienced growing up. Mm-hmm. And then when I became a believer, I watched other uh, moms and dads, and I thought, wow, they love being moms and dads, and they have a plan, and maybe this could be a good thing. And God changed my heart about motherhood. And so when I became a mom, it's because I wanted to become a mom. And so those nevers became maybes. They became possibilities because my heart changed. God worked in my heart and changed me. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? And I, that's a, you're so spot on with that because um, so many times our nevers, we have to go back into why am I saying never? Is it because of something, a, a, you know, a framework or a past experience that has affected me? And that's why I'm saying never when if maybe that hadn't happened, I would be so all over it. And yet I think go back to the why, because then that's where God surprises us and go, oh, no, no, no. Um, you know, in your never is you have no idea what's on the other side of that that I want to show you in this amazing adventure, but we're, we can become short-sighted because of the past or something that's holding us back and stopping us from moving forward into that neverland. I think that's exactly true. When, when I'm writing a book, such as crazy little thing called love, we always, I start with my characters and I talk about, I think about, okay, what's their wound? What's their lie? What's their fear that's holding them back? And, and I craft the story around that character. Well, one of the reasons why I work that way is because in real life, we all have events in our lives that have created a wound that, that holds us back, a lie that we believe about ourselves, and that lie creates a fear that holds us back. And I think that's what creates that neverland. I love the way you, you said that, that neverland. I can't do this or I, I can't be this kind of person. And, um, and I write contemporary romance. And one of the things my mentor taught me was that the hero heals the lie. The hero heals the wound, excuse me, and God heals the lie. And that's true when you're writing fiction, but that's also true in real life, that when you fall in love, that hero, you know, your real-life romance, heals that, that wound that you have with the love that you share, and God heals the lie that you believe about yourself because he tells you the truth of who you are. Mm. And if we could just embrace that, I love that, Beth, how you articulated that of just if we can really, truly believe the hero, God, um, the truth that he wants us to know about ourselves rather than embracing the lie that the enemy continues. It's that it's changing the, the chatter that takes place in your in your mind and really stopping and listening to the chatter. I know so many times we we operate off of the chatter without even realizing that we're operating out of the lie. And it's such a a false narrative of of who we are and um that that is so true. And you know, it's just that every day getting into God's word so you can go, yeah, you know what? I need to change and really do the self-assessment to understand what I'm what I'm telling myself, and rather than what God wants to tell me. I, I think that's so true. For me, there have been two transforming things. One is deciding what has happened to me. I have abuse in my background and deciding, is that going to be the defining moment in my life or is that just going to be a moment in my life? Mm-hmm. And, and allowing God to step in and transform that to just a moment in my life and allow what he's done in my life be the defining moment in my life. So that's the first thing that changed for me. And then the the second question I had to answer, and this ties into what you just said, is I had to decide, okay, what voice in my head is going to be the authority in my head? 
Who's the authority in my life? And I had to decide that what God said, what God says about me is the authority in my life because there is that chatter and we have that chatter going on for so many years. We take that as the truth. And I had to decide that what God says about me is is the truth and that he was going to be the authority in my life, not anybody else. And sometimes what we say about ourselves is worse than what anybody else says about us. That's and we have to say, right no, there. God is the ultimate right authority. We're going to be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To get the most nutrients, is it better to cook vegetables or to eat them raw? The answer is not black and white. Some nutrients in vegetables, like tomatoes, are actually enhanced during the cooking process. A study by Cornell University found that heat increases lycopene levels and makes it easier for the body to absorb this vital antioxidant. But research from Food and Nutrition Science found that raw vegetables contain higher levels of antioxidants. Cooking methods decrease water-soluble nutrients such as vitamin C and can rob vegetables of important nourishment for the body. The bottom line? Whether vegetables are cooked or raw, you'll get more benefit and nutrition from the vegetables you eat than the ones you don't. Consuming five to nine servings of vegetables a day is the best approach. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. To our show with Beth Voigt, a 2014 Carol Award finalist, and she enjoys writing contemporary romance fiction because she believes there's more to happily ever after than the fairy tales tell us. Her 2014 novel, Somebody Like You, was one of Publishers Weekly's best book of 2014 and um, I had to really like pause in saying that because there was a lot of S's in that which was <laughs> getting me tongue-tied there but in 2015 Beth you introduced a four-part destination wedding series from the ebook Can't Buy Me Love and your newest novel Crazy Little Thing Called Love so we've been talking about the 
the changing the chatter in your head. And I love that how you, you just said what you had to do was really take a look and go, okay, wait, am I going to listen to God's authority or am I going to listen to my own, which many times it's worse even than what you've heard from, from other people. But we're also from changing the chatter. We're going to change directions and talk a little bit more about your book. Cause you get into, um, just talking about marriage and, um, Lisa has already gone through two weddings with her own children. I'm still at the part where I have three to go into. Um, and, and I just know marriage is a serious business, both for the couple tying the knot and also with all the wedding vendors. Uh, the average cost of an American wedding is from 15000 to $25,000. And that's just crazy to me. And budgets get stretched. Um, Obviously, nerves get stretched, emotions get stretched, and uh, you you share a little bit of this in your crazy little thing called love. Um, tell us, did you just do tons of research on on weddings for this book? I did some research. I've also I have three older children, so I've had the experience of being the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom, and so I have some personal experience, too. Um, the e-novella, um, Can't Buy Me Love, I, had a little, I put a little bit of a Pinterest angle in that because um, Pinterest is very wedding-driven, and, um, and you have women saying, Pinterest ruined my wedding because... <laughs> They spend so much time on Pinterest, and they think they're going to save money, but they get all caught up in the craziness of Pinterest and weddings and things like that. And and then um, destination weddings, which play in my whole series, um, are also very popular. Well, you have people who love destination weddings, and then you have people who hate destination weddings. And so that was an interesting angle. And um, the whole people... Weddings are wonderful. One of the reasons why I did Destination Weddings is because so often in romance novels, the wedding is left until the end of the book. It's kind of tacked on or you get the hint that a wedding's coming. And one of the things I loved about writing the Destination Wedding series is it's woven through the whole book. It's not left till the end of the book. And so it was fun to weave weddings all the way through. But weddings, like you say, can be tense because... There's nothing perfect about a wedding. It's romantic, but just like the title of the book, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, there's a lot of up and down on the way to say I do, and that's that's what I weave into the story, Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Well, it, you know, it, you see, like you talked about the, the whole Pinterest thing and how it, you know, people say it ruins their wedding. And you can totally see that because you, you all of a sudden you feel inadequate because you're seeing all these amazing perfect pictures of weddings and you're looking at yourself and you're looking at what you're putting together and it can cause that angst even within yourself putting on this wedding and we start to focus so much on the wedding and not on the the marriage or the relationship that we're entering in this you know this life that lays out before us because we're so focused on the event and I think we, you know, it's like, how do we come back and kind of put things in perspective, the right perspective? And, and, um, and, you know, just, you can create memories without having to spend 
a ton of money. And yet I think our culture, you know, Patty and I have laughed because even um, since we were, well, even since I raised my kids, but I mean, even then they were starting like just to ask to go to homecoming or to go to a dance. It's a major <laughs> event now. I mean, it's, oh my like, it's crazy. Oh my gosh. And you're like, how did this happen? Homecoming is going on right now for my 14-year-old, and I'm watching these guys. I feel badly for the guys because they have to go all out asking a girl to homecoming. And I'm like, well, my goodness, what happens when you have to propose to a girl mm-hmm. if it starts freshman year of high school and oh, you have to do these elaborate, you know, elaborate events to just ask a girl out to homecoming freshman year of high school Think of what you have to build up to for a marriage proposal. I mean, I'm watching that right now. Yeah, that, I agree. I think it's just so – and it's a, such a false reality because um, financially, I think what parents can do for their kids in um, – same thing, Beth. I just went through it last weekend. My daughter, she's 14, the whole homecoming dance, and they want to – get new shoes, get a new dress, get their hair done, get their nails done. And um, there's just more affluency where they think that this is the norm. And so I'm telling mine, well, you're going to have to work <laughs> to raise some money because we're, we're, we're not going to go that route. And, you know, I, I gave her a certain amount and then the rest of it she had to come up with. And it's pretty amazing how creative um, her and her sister, what they did to still have the same look <laughs> that the other girls were going for uh-huh. little money as they all of a sudden, you know, goodwill and some of these places don't look so bad <laughs> and they, and they did a wonderful job on, you know, getting their pedicures done, you know, doing it themselves. And it, it I, I just think we need to be aware of that. And, you know, just our listeners as parents, because I think, like you said, what, what's it going to take now for them to plan a wedding when just going to homecoming is over the top? <laughs> and I think for me, you know, even as I'm writing these books and I am doing research on weddings, to remember that so often we say it's the bride's day. Well, really, no, a wedding is a celebration where mm-hmm. for your family and your friends. And so expand that very narrow thought of it's your day, you know, or it's the couple's day, and expand it and say, no, it's a celebration with your family and friends. Mm -hmm. So just kind of get away from that narrow viewpoint and think about it's also a beginning. It's a relationship. One of the things I really had fun with as I wrote um, Can't Buy Me Love, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, I just turned in my second novel, which is called Almost Like Being in Love. One of (laughs) My favorite part was writing the wedding vows, and I've never done that before. But for me, that became almost the favorite part of the book as I thought about if I had the chance to say vows again to my husband, what would that look like? What would I want to say? And I'm having two, three, four chances to think about wedding vows because Mm -hmm. that's the most significant part of the ceremony not the music not the not the candlelight what do you put up on the the front of the church things like that it's what the couple says to each other and so that's been a lot of fun too 
Mm. I, I love that. And, and just like Lisa, you were saying, we put so much into the wedding versus, you know, like you're saying about the vows and then the after wedding effect. I know we had, um, I don't know if you've heard this story, but it was Ryan and Amanda Leake on the show where he went into her Pinterest account and planned the entire wedding for her. So when he asked her to marry him, he went and took her right over to the this hotel where the wedding was all planned and everybody was invited. They had her wedding dress there waiting for her. Can you even imagine? Oh my gosh. So he planned her entire dream wedding after he, you know, he heard what she wanted through, through Pinterest. And, um, but yeah, you it just, I, Lisa and I were laughing because we were like, oh, you know, he, he better keep that up for the next 50 years. Wow. Yeah. How do you follow that? I mean, <laughs> follow that. But to be able to plan the marriage, not just the wedding, you know, to be able yeah. to truly, like you said, what's in the vows? What am I committing to? What am I promising you? Yes. And that's why I say there's more to happily ever after than the fairy tale story. Tell us because they stop right at the oh, magical wedding. Yeah. But everything that happens after the staying true and, you know, we talk about for better, for worse. Well, so often we don't realize what the good times are going to be, but we, we also don't understand how bad the worst can be mm-hmm. and what it's going to take to really love, honor, and cherish someone. And so we don't get that in the fairy tales because that's the end of the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes that's what I try to weave into my, to my novels is, is the messiness of relationships and the messiness of falling in love and staying in love. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Beth, we just have less than two minutes, just a little over a minute. And um, thank you for just joining in this conversation. It's been, it's been so interesting and so fun. And just want to highly recommend to our listeners to grab your book. So can you just um, let our listeners know how they can find you and read more? And um, if there's anything you want to just leave our listeners before we, we say goodbye. Well, my well, website, my website is, is Beth. My website my is bethvote.com. And I also have an author Facebook page, and I'm giving away some of my books right now on that um, just for fun because I just turned in a book. Um, so I like to celebrate that way. Spell um, your last name for our listeners. Um, my last name is V as in Victor, O, G as in Go, T as in Top, BethBoat.com. And one of the other things, when I look at the title of my book, Crazy Little Thing Called Love, Um, Obviously, it's after the song title, but one of the things that that title reflects to me, too, is God's love for us, how Mm -hmm. he loves us in a crazy, wild way, and how he came down to earth and stepped into the middle of our lives and our messiness and says, I love you enough to not leave you here, and I love you enough to step into the midst of your nevers. And say, you know what? That can be the best thing that ever happened to you. So let's Thank go you. for it. We're going to end right there. Well said. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended. The radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. Well, each month we look forward to visiting and learning from a leader from an amazing ministry for women and a partner with us, Bloom. Bloom is under the umbrella of Stadia, which transforms lives and communities through church planting. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. And they won't stop until every child has a church. Well, Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planners, spouses, so they can provide the same to their families, staffs, and churches. From what we understand, they are literally finishing up... Um, well, actually, it was a, it was last month that they were finishing up their retreat. So hopefully, we're going to be talking with Sarah Cantu, and she will be rested and ready to talk about all the fantastic things that are taking place in her ministry and in her life right now. Sarah is a church planner wife and an active mother of two, and she also is an overcomer of MS, a frequent blogger, as well as she has partnered with her husband, Russ, to launch Catalyst, a Christian church in San Marcos, California. Um, I believe they started that in March 2014. So, Sarah, how are you today? And welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm doing well. Okay. Well, we started out our show talking about have you ever said, I will never? So we are going to hit you up with that question. Um, when is the last time you have said, I will never, and it came back to, to bite you? Um, the one that 
really hits me is um, we thought we would never be bivocational in ministry. And about a year ago, our family became bivocational, um, kind of out of need, but also out of a desire to reach our community more in depth um, in ways that we were not um, able to before. So now we're able to um, reach people on a business level because we started our own business and our entrepreneurs. And um, now we're able to talk to people who will talk to us about the business um, and be able to share God with them and um, have a door into their life that they wouldn't necessarily have given us um, as church planters. So that's a, that's a cool approach. So tell us a little bit more about that and what like what business and how have you seen those? I mean, how did you go? This is what we want to start doing. Um, well, about almost exactly a year ago, actually, um, our funding for our church plant um, began to dip down, which you kind of know is going to happen. Um, you do a bunch of fundraising ahead of time, and the goal is to get you through that first year, year and a half. And um, we were getting to the end of that and knew that we needed a supplemental income. Most of our church are um, brand new believers or not yet believers. So um, giving was not high on their priority list, and that's okay. Um, we're taking them through a discipleship process. So um, we started praying about where God was going to provide for our family. And my husband has been doing web design on the side for many, many years and um, actually partnered with a friend of ours um, to start a new design firm. So um, the friend of ours is a branding specialist, and so we, they do branding and web design. And um, it ended up being a really neat, um, a neat way to get our foot in the door with the community to be able to be a marketing firm for some local businesses, to um, get to meet with some local community leaders that would never have talked to us before as church planters, mm -hmm. but now as um, local business owners, um, they want to hear from us. So they've actually been invited into board meetings and um, been invited to speak with um, local leaders that would never have heard from us otherwise. And that is such a great approach. I mean, it's not like, a, and approach is not a good word, but it's like, just kind of just do life with people and, you know, and right. find your sweet spot and find, you know, what God has gifted you at and just even use that and um, in relationship with people. So it's not so like, you know, in your face or like you're trying, but uh, we're just doing life. And, and helping, because you're obviously providing a great service for people that are helping, you know, you're partnering with people to help them grow their business. And what a great right. kind of organic way for relationships to begin. I love that, Lisa, how you said organically, because I, I think, Sarah, just what, what you're saying, that's such a, um, a creative way. And when you think back on what Jesus did, and just the disciples as, as tent makers and, you know, whatever fishermen, whatever they were doing, that um, we've, we've kind of come away from that where we sit in the church and we're so, you know, interior versus exterior rather than doing exactly that. And, and getting out there so we can establish relationships on, on something other than the common denominator of, hey, will you come to church? It's like, let's just, do, you know, do life. Like you said, Lisa, organically um, doing life together. I, I love that. Yeah, it's been a really good opportunity. 
Well, have, did you guys, like when you first started this, you know, because that's risky, starting a business, any, no matter what you're doing. And then kind of, like you said, combining that with ministry, um, that is kind of unique too. And, it, and I'm sure um, I'm quite busy <laughs> when you're trying to yeah. start two yeah. different things. I mean, because just, I know what it's like, you know, just in the, in the church world, trying to start that and, and focusing and then having um, kids and, and everything else. How have you been able to just like, really embrace that and just go, okay, I'm not going to say I will never do certain things because here I'm finding God opening doors, but just navigating through, through, through all of that. Throughing. Do you like that word? Throughing all of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm throughing it all the way. I'm riveted by your throughing. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we became a lot more organized to that much. I can tell you um, our, our schedule is very um, planned out ahead of time. Um, we do have some fluidity in meetings and whatnot that need to happen, but um, there's not a lot of wasted time. Um, we spend a lot less time in front of the television, a lot less time. Um, we, like, we make the most of every opportunity. You know, if we've got to have a meeting, we'll try to do it over lunch or over breakfast because you have to eat anyway. So um, we, we do the best we can that way. Um, but at the same time, we've got at least one night a week that we kind of kind of circle with a black Sharpie and say, this is the night we're not working. Um, this is the night that's our family night. And um, then my husband and I have that night for us too, where we have one night a week that's just us. Um, so we've got those that are planned ahead to um, protect our family and to protect us in our marriage. Um, but kind of outside of that, we just take the opportunities um, where they are. So sometimes that means picking the kids up early from school and heading to Legoland for a couple hours because we have passes. Or um, sometimes that means, um, like this morning, my husband took the kids to a coffee shop before school um, and get got some time with them that way. Um, but we're also really blessed in that our business overlaps with our church in a lot of ways um, in that, you know, my husband's design firm also does our church website, and they also um, work with other churches. And so he's able to glean um, some of the churches that they're working for, have these really awesome men that have been in ministry for years and years and years that can um, pour into him as a pastor. And so it's been a really good connection point that way, too. Um, so it's it's been really cool to see how God's kind of grown our business as he's growing our church and allowing them to overlap. Um, in, in that regard. Um, but also it's given us a brand new respect and appreciation for the volunteers we have. Um, being a church plant, we have people who give 20, 30, even sometimes more hours a week to serving our church. And um, when we were full-time, I don't think we fully understood the sacrifice that was for them because they were also working a job, a full-time job. So now that we're kind of seeing like, wow, this is a lot of work for them and they've got this other job too, because we do too. Um, it's, we've been able to appreciate them a lot more in ways that I don't think we could have really wrapped our head around before. Well, you know, you said a couple things. First of all, I like when you beginning, when you were saying, you know, we've had to be more, you know, kind of efficient and your scheduling and you have, you know, a, a night where it's just 
for you guys. And you, you know, you, you kind of create a framework and boundaries around that and you guard it. And it really does go back to, we have to be intentional, intentional with putting into our schedules, kind of the, the family time, the couple time, the me time, because otherwise that is the time that just gets taken away easily or overbooked over or kind of slides away. And before you know it, you're like, we have not had any family time or me time or couple time at all because everything else crowds in and screams louder for our, for our attention. So I love that, you know, you said you have to be intentional with that. And I think the other thing that is um, significant is, you, like you said, you're in both worlds. You can understand, um, you know, the the corporate world, so to speak, and, and the demands and the expectations. And it's, it makes you that much more relatable with the people that, that you're, you're serving alongside of and they're coming along you. And, and like you said, the volunteers understanding the scheduling and the demands and what it takes. So it is cool to have your foot kind of in, in both, both camps and, and understand that. Well, we have less than two minutes before we're going to take a break from our conversation, but, um, I want we as we go in the next one. You are also a blogger, and so you're mm-hmm. you're writing life experience, and you also um, it says an overcomer of MS, and really want to talk about that overcoming because that's not like a one time thing. That's a continual thing overcoming. When I think of that, and just you know the challenges in life that we that you know we all have to overcome. It's something, it might look different, but what does that journey of overcoming look like? Because you have a crazy schedule, like you just said. You just laid it all out for us and being a mom and a wife and starting. And let me ask you, when you guys moved to um, San Marcos, California, was is that where you guys were from or was that a new place? Um, it was a new place. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. Um, my husband and I met in San Jose at Bible College. Um, but we had been living in Modesto actually for 10 years almost. So we moved to start the church. We moved about six months before we launched. Well, so you had a lot of new things happening and a lot of challenges. And so, I, I mean, I'm just listening to you going, you, you have a new place, a new church and a new new job and, you know, new friends and, and establishing a lot of new things in life and just being intentional. And what does that look like? And I'm sure there's been some things where I would never do this. And then you find yourself engaging in those. So we're going to take a break in just a, a few seconds. And, you know, I think it's good for all of us to look at our lives and go, what are those things? Instead of maybe saying, I will never, but say, I will step in and, and I will do this and I will try this. And cause I think there's some things in, even in life that we avoid that maybe we should say, I'm going to lean into that a little bit more. So as we, as we take a break, grab something to drink and, t- and take a break. And we're going to be right back with Sarah can do. And we're going to be talking more about, I will never be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. 
That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. The New York Times reported that exercise infomercials such as P90X and Insanity are frequently seen on cable television. Many people love these fast-paced, high-intensity workouts and get the results that they're after by doing them. But are these routines for you? Some people can answer yes, while others are happy to pass on them. Whether you are someone who adheres to these challenging workouts or not, it is of the utmost importance that you recognize your limits, but make it a point to work out in some fashion. Not every workout is for everybody, but exercise in general is the important thing. Don't feel that you have to do high-intensity routines in order to be fit. Be sure to work out daily, but know your limits. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Togenet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with Sarah Cantu, who is a church planner wife, an active mother of two, a frequent blogger, and an overcomer of MS. And Sarah, we went into the commercial break just kind of mentioning that about you having MS and what that would look like. Um, so tell us a little bit more of how you are affected by MS. And when you use the term an overcomer, does that mean um, you're you're able to move forward without having to worry about um, having the attacks of MS or exactly? I mean, I just feel like so many people now are finding out, just discovering that they have MS. I just, I, I know in my world, I have quite a few friends that talk about MS, but I don't really quite understand what that means when they're, you know, sharing some of their nutritional, like, you know, moments of what they've discovered helps out. So just share a little bit about being an overcomer of MS. Um, Okay. Well, MS is a disease of the central nervous system. Um, It's a disease where your immune system actually attacks um, the protection of your nerves. So it causes the best description is like a misfire in your nerves. And depending on where that attack happens, each time it could be different. So for every person living with MS, the attacks look different and their um, course of treatment is different. And there is no cure and they still don't know for sure what causes it. So um, I was diagnosed almost three years ago. I was diagnosed on Christmas Eve of 2012. And... Um, when I was diagnosed, I had a bit more of a drastic story. Um, my first major attack happened. Um, I lost, by the time I was finally diagnosed, I had lost most of the function in my left side. I was not able to speak or to swallow, um, and I was having a hard time comprehending what was happening around me. Um, so we obviously were seeking medical help, and um, by the time the diagnosis came, 
um, we were really thankful for the diagnosis because we had been told it was, it was either MS or a brain tumor. And where the spot on my MRI was, if it was a brain tumor, I would have six weeks to live. Mm-hmm. So we had been praying, actually, that I had MS. Um, so when the diagnosis came, um, we were a little bit relieved, which sounds kind of funny, but we were thankful that there are treatments out there. And in the last 15 years, there have been a slew of new um, medications that help slow the progression and help treat attacks when they happen. Um, Within three months, I'd regained most of my ability to um, walk and talk and swallow and all of that. I still have some deficit, but um, the big thing with MS is you live every day not knowing what's going to happen. So um, most people living with MS live with this major fear on their shoulders that they could wake up tomorrow and something major will have happened overnight. Um, When I had my first attack, that's literally how it happened. I went to bed and I was fine. I woke up the next day and all this stuff was wrong with me. Um, So there's this fear in the MS community of people living with MS that something's going to happen and you don't know when and you don't know what. Um, But we've always felt um, from that first, first attack, we've always felt a peace that whatever happens, God's in control, and um, whether I lose my ability to walk someday or um, whatever else could happen, because it could be anywhere in your central nervous system, I could lose my eyesight or, um, like I said, my ability to swallow. Um, a lot of those things are are scary, and they could really affect you, um, but whatever it is, God is in control, and so it's the approaching every day with None of us know what's going to happen, and I don't have any more of a chance of something negative happening today than anybody else does. You know, anybody else who doesn't have MS could get in a car accident or have have an injury happen to them. Um, and so it's the approaching every day with the knowledge that God's in control and that He's the one who's going to walk with us through whatever it is that we encounter, and knowing that every day is a gift that every day I wake up and I can walk and I can hug my kids, that's a gift. Um, And that's kind of what we mean by overcoming. Like we've overcome that fear of waking up every day and wondering what's going to break on me. Um, We can walk in faith knowing that God is in control no matter what happens. Well, you know, (laughs) that is, that's an amazing way to, to really express that. And as I'm listening to all that, um, it really, it puts life in perspective and you never know when you're, like you said, you find one day and then the, and then the next, and you know, life can happen to any of us. And I think we get so caught up in the, the dailiness and then just the, um, I think we're, we, we almost, I know for me, uh, sadly, you almost, uh, kind of feel like you're entitled to a good day or just a healthy life or that things are going to go well. And then when things don't, or you get some news that isn't quite right, it kind of rattles you and jars you back into reality that going, you know, this is a broken world. This is a broken place. And in in spite of all that, God is still amazing and he's still with us and he's still good and he's still faithful. And that's what you have to hold on to. And we should be holding on to that anyway, 
But I think it's when those situations in life happen that it, it causes us to lean in more and to grab onto him more. And that's when we, you know, can find some, just some sweet moments, even in that, in the, in the pain and the uncertainty of life. And, um, you said that so beautifully where it's inspiring because it's like, you know, the reality of your life is, you, you know, um, and maybe it's more obvious to you, but we all have that same reality that of uncertainty mm-hmm. in our life, even though we don't, you know, we haven't had something like put in our face like that. So, um, it is a challenge to really take and, and just live each, each light each day as a gift. I mean, that's really what it's about. How have you seen this? Um, just in, in your, you know, even in, in your family, I mean, I know you've had to resolve a lot of things and I love how you say, I have just come am at peace with this. Um, and that just doesn't happen. You know, it's, it's, you know, leaning in, but then I'm sure just like as you relate and as you talk to other people, there's like the strength and this peace that you can draw from that's different than before even this diagnosis. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Um, we've had, we've, we've actually had quite a few opportunities, um, in San Marcos. San Marcos is a, a suburb of San Diego. So we're in North County, San Diego, which, um, when I was diagnosed, we were in the Central Valley, which is a very hot place in the summer. Um, and with, with my particular, um, course of MS, I have heat sensitivity. So my symptoms get worse when it's hot. Um, so our ER doc actually who diagnosed me came in and asked when we were moving to San Diego, which is kind of part of the beautiful story of how God brought us here. Um, but because of that, there's a lot of people in our area who are also living with MS. It's one of the most densely populated areas because a lot of people move here to get help and to get treatment. Um, so we've had a lot of opportunities to walk people through their diagnosis, and we've had a lot of opportunities to minister um, within the um, community of people who are living with MS or who are um, living with a loved one going through a diagnosis um, and being able to share with them just how we have been able to um, be at peace about it. And, I mean, I remember being in the hospital during my first flare that, the nurse comes in and says, like, bad things don't happen like this to pastor's wife. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed at her and said, no, we weren't promised perfect. We were promised peace. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that's kind of the thing is we were never promised a perfect life. We were promised that God would bring us peace. And so we're able to um, walk others through things like that. Um, in our congregation, we've had people, I mean, we, we probably um, – We've had people who've lost their spouses, people who've lost children, um, and even though our story is a little bit different than theirs, we can understand that piece, and we know that it's there for them, too. And so we're able to kind of walk through them or walk with that through them or with them so that they can understand that it's, it's a supernatural piece. It's not something that you can attain by yourself. Well, and that, I love that. You're not promised perfect, but we're promised peace. And it's like, you know, we have to grab for that and look for that and embrace that. Um, and, you know, as, I, as I'm listening to your story, it's like, it is so hard because the uncertainty of our nature is like, I don't know how to have peace in that. Um, you know, how, to, how do I attain that when I don't know? Like, what could, you know, because we tend to focus on all the possibilities that are generally the worst case scenarios of what could happen. 
and don't focus on, well, God is still with me in this journey and he still gives peace and he still gives strength and he still gives comfort so that I can give that away to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a gift in itself right there that we don't, that we don't embrace and see so many times. But, um, so in, in all of this, you know, we just have a few minutes, like three minutes. till we take a break. What is something like a, a huge, like life lesson in all of this that you are learning that you, in this journey that, um, that you could just share with others, whether they're, you know, a church planner's wife, um, a spouse or ministry leader, or just a leader in the community that you're just learning through this whole process of just, you know, taking on whatever happens in life and, and discovering. Um, I would say the biggest thing is just take each day as it comes, um, take each day as a gift and, um, just trust that God knows what he's doing and that he's working ahead of whatever situation you're encountering. Um, we are learning right now in our ministry that, that God, God knows ahead of time, all the different struggles that you're going to go through and all the different hurdles you're going to have to jump over. He knows about it ahead of time and he's already there. Um, and he's with you at the same time, walking you through that. And so that's, that's something that you can really rest in to just know that God is there walking with you and that he's already in the future and already knows what's going to happen and how it's going to turn out. Mm. Well, and that's what's significant about, um, just bringing other people into your life on the journey. Um, you know, for mm-hmm. prayer support, just for emotional support, um, just to be able to share and, and realize you're not alone. And that's one of the, the great things about even um, the Ministry of Bloom that you're a part of and all the girlfriends and amazing and the fun that you can have together. But, uh, you know, also just sitting and just sharing life. And here's where I'm at. And um, and being able to know you're not alone in the journeys and in the struggles and in the challenges. And so um, it is, you know, it's. That's that's encouraging. We all need that. Well, we just want to thank you for just joining our show and um, and being a part of you know of of all of this. And and it's just so encouraging to hear from each other. And thank you for being an overcomer and just you know showing us what peace can look like. Um, thanks for joining our show. We're going to talk next time. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 